Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. And if you're not, you are totally missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is the place to be. It is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections that are made just for you. And the best part is it's free. You can go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download the Himalaya app and find all of your favorite podcasts in one place. And you know what else I love about Himalaya is they let you as the listener show your support to the podcasters. So make sure that you like this episode or go download the app, like and comment on this episode and follow us because we're soon going to be able to bring you some amazing new features only available on the Himalaya app. So thanks again for listening. You are listening to Grit and Grace. And before we get started with today's show, I want you to go and check out our new Grit, Grace, and Glory monthly subscription box at gx3box.com, where we are featuring amazing products and business tools made for women, all by women. And it's shipped to your door once a month. And each box will include five to seven items, one which will be in support of a nonprofit organization, which is my favorite part. And also there's going to be books and self-care products. And all of it is crafted by amazing female-owned businesses, products, and services. So go check it out at gx3box.com. So now let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. And we are starting the part two of getting to spend my time with Alicia Huck. The Thanks juice. for being for the deuce. <laughs> and Alicia is with Maverick and & Company, and I'm going to let you go back to episode one to hear all of the great stuff that we just discussed. And we started all about your individual growth and how you can find ways to be your best self in your life and in your journey and be more honest and open and really just be a true authentic adult. And so Alicia, that was probably one of the best hours that I've spent in a really long time. And I'm so excited to have another one with you. It's so fun. Ninja up, baby. Ninja up. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Ninja up. And so I'm going to remind everyone that you can go to maverickandcompany.com and follow the more great stuff tab on Alicia's website. And she's going to have some great information for you because I know that you guys are going to love what we're going to talk about today. And although it might sound kind of overwhelming or if you are not a business owner or an entrepreneur, you may not be sure what I mean when I say managing organizational problems or managing organizational structure or how to add organizational structure or someone like me who is at the early stages of starting her (laughs) business and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I know all the areas that I need structure, don't have it. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So thanks, Alicia. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And Organizations are, sometimes you're an organization of one, but Mm. it's effectiveness between you and other people. So that might be you and a vendor, Mm. right? It might be you and an assistant. 
Might be you and a client. All of those human relationships, right? Organiza- the lines between you and people that are outside your organization can get kind of blurry, right? So it might be you and your 300 employees or your 200, like people that I normally work with, but it could be you and your family members or what's actually about to happen for you at right. Christmas, right? The ways that human beings suck are many and varied, mm. but the rules about how you have them suck less are finite and applicable in almost any situation where human beings are gathered in more than one person. <laughs> and this is what makes me so happy. So I want I want you to start with this a similar conversation to what we had when we met, which was at Rise Collaborative. Mm-hmm. It was a great event. Although uh, it was funny because I think when you were speaking, that was the night that like a whole kids sports team <laughs> came into the restaurant that we were. Isn't that what happened? And then we had to yeah. move somewhere else. It was really funny because you literally still had everybody's rapt attention, even though there was like 30 loud kids like within feet of all of us. And we we're all like, Go away. We want to hear Alicia. Well, the secret to being one of the best speakers anybody's ever heard is to pick a topic that they have, like, they really, really need that they've never heard real answers about, right? So if you talk about accountability and confrontation, you can keep everybody's attention because, like, really, very few people are good at that, which is always kind of mind boggling to me because it's it's really a fundamental skill. Like it's sort of like, well, we all want to be pilots, but none of us are going to bother to learn how to fly planes. Let's do this people. Yeah. But that is how it goes. You are talking about like probably what do you think? 98% of the population operates that way. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And it's so funny to me because uh, sometimes I invent stuff, right? Because where I get most of my ideas from people are always like, how do you, how do you figure all this stuff out? Mostly it's because people hire me and they have certain problems. So we have to figure out a way to solve their problem. And then along the way to solving their problem, I go, ooh, that sounds like something that a lot of people have a problem with. So then you bring it to the next group and they're like, we have that problem too. But Mm -hmm. I'm always shocked because sometimes I'll get on the internet and I'm like, well, there's a book about everything, right? So there's got to be a book about this. And then I'll go do research and I'm like, well, that kind of hits on it a little bit. It might get a little bit better. Like, you know, we talk about confrontation. There's a good book Mm -hmm. out there. Um, Oh gosh, the one minute manager. And it Mm -hmm. talks about how to do a one minute confrontation. And I liked that. And that's what I, that was the first book on confrontation that I ever liked. You know, and it talks about not making it personal and da da da. But everybody that I know that's ever had a confrontation conversation, they had to have more than one usually. And it didn't really, like that book, it was just like, it sort of was this fantasy land. Like, well, you'll just have this one very polite conversation yeah, and, and everything yeah. is fixed. And I was like, yeah. that's not the world that I live in. Right. I don't know what. Is that Indiana? Like, does it work that way in Indiana? Because it doesn't work that way in any company I've ever worked in. Maybe Texas, possible. Well, you know what I want to start with is this idea to stop following up, stop reminding people. Yeah. That, that That for me was, that was really where the, the light bulb clicked on. And I... I like immediately, it's like my whole career flashed in front of me <laughs> of the amount of times that I set up situations to where somebody else's success or the results of their work became depending uh, dependent upon my reminders yeah. of the work yeah. or my, ha- I, I mean, I would call it handholding, but that's not, that's not exactly how it was, but it's kind of like that. It is kind of like that. I mean, it. I mean, how many of us talk about being managers? I've managed large teams and when you felt like adult babysitters. Yes. But the way that you presented it, I realized that was on me. Yeah. I set up the situation to be like that. I allowed people to rely upon me to remind them to yeah. do their work. It is it is a really weird thing. So in almost every company or organization I've ever worked in, um, we do a thing like our, our primary mode of management is some version of chase, nag and remind. Mm. Right. And it's confusing because we're all adults and we go to an adult workplace. And then for some reason, and I, every time I do a big seminar, I always ask, how many of you have ever been in the workplace and you have found yourself in an interaction 
that didn't feel like one adult talking to another professional adult colleague. It felt somehow like a parent talking to a child. Mm. And almost everybody will raise their hand, and the two people that don't are lying or just brand new to work. Right. And and it's so interesting. Like, how do we end up in that kind of a dynamic? Right. And, sh- and that's wrong. Like, it shouldn't be that way. And so part of what I want everybody to know is that it's not your fault that it gets off the rails that way. But we grow up in sort of an authority model of power. And so you can really blame your parents and your, your co- teachers and coaches. But that's how they worked. Right. Your mom would come in and go, why haven't you cleaned your room? And you have to clean it because otherwise you'll get punished. Right. And so then you go to school. And you have to do what the teacher says, otherwise you get punished. And then you have to do what the coach says, otherwise you get punished. And then you go to work, and if you don't do what your boss says, then you get punished, right? But that all reinforces sort of a parent-child model. It's a very strange thing at work, and it sets us up in a dynamic that we don't want to be in. So usually when I talk to people about accountability, that's the first thing that we look at is like, hey, you're not a little kid talking to a parent or a parent talking to a little kid. You're two adults, so you have to sort of break out of that dynamic. And so there's lots of interesting things that you can do, and teaching people not to um, chase people down and nag at them is one of them. What I like to have people do is really rethink a whole bunch of things that they do. Um, a couple of the big ones are, I don't know, is it is this a good time to go into the details? Yes, or? you go. You don't, don't you dare stop. She's like over there I'm drooling my, with a piece I'm of paper like, and a pencil. Like, you know, here's all the ninja stuff. So, so uh, the, the culture that we're talking about that you end up with when you do parent-child is what I would call a pretending culture, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretending that you're going to do what I asked. You're pretending that you're going to do what I asked. I'm pretending that I'm not mad. You're pretending that you're not resentful. It's just a lot of pretending, right? It's a lot of falseness. And the biggest mistake that we make is we're not clear about when things are going to happen. So like if you and I work together, we Timelines. do this, we do this yeah. funny thing, right? I come up to you and I say, hey, Tav, can you get that to me by next week? And you say, of course, sure, no problem. And that's it. When in the holy heck is next week? Mm. Like that- that might be Tuesday for me and Friday for you, which means on Tuesday, I'm looking for that deliverable and you're still oblivious. And then by Tuesday about midday, I'm walking past your desk with an awkward smile on my face, pretending that I'm not looking for what I'm looking for, right? I may be nagging you a little like, hey, and make it that big, <laughs> cheesy, awkward, weird smile, right? Like, Hi. <laughs> Just checking to see if we're yeah. on pace, right? And you're like, right. what are you doing? That's weird. Yeah. So we don't we don't have the discipline to be clear because we don't want to be rude. And maybe we're just a little lazy or racing on to the next thing. So there's all this stuff that we do that recreates that sort of pretending dynamic, that chase, nag, and remind. What you want to shift over to is more of an ownership dynamic. And there's some specific things that you can do. So like you said, very first thing, dates and deadlines. Mm. Just have an agreement If we're adults operating like adults, let's pick a date. Hey, can you get that to me next week? And you say, yes. And then one of us should say, wait a minute, when the heck is next week? Okay, how about Wednesday at two Mm. or Monday at five? Not just Monday, but Monday at five. So that I know that I don't need to worry about that until Monday at 5.01. Right. Right. And if I show up at your desk Monday at 5.01, you know that I belong there. Hmm. Fair? Fair. <laughs> That's when it becomes really fair. Right? And can you see the whole dynamic is different? Yeah. Because if we don't have a clear date and deadline, and I'm just at your desk on Tuesday at 12, 
Uh, should I be there? Should I not be there? I'm pretending that it's okay and I'm not trying to be. It's all just weird and funky. And the thing is, confusion always invites conflict. Mm. So if you're out there and you have a relationship, especially if it's professional and it's not going well, or you have um, a couple of employees and it's not going well, a vendor it's not going well, look for confusion. Odds are almost always there's something that isn't understood well, or there's a misunderstanding that's occurred, or a logistical confusion that's there, and that's usually the source of almost all conflict. I look like a genius because I'm like, well, you think it's A and they think it's B. Which one should it be? People are like, X, and I'm like, sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. Give me my check. I'm done right, here. Right, like, right, right, right. <laughs> and they're like, you are a genius. Okay, so but you that's just a big piece of knowledge you just dropped. Yeah. Is that it's often about confusion. Yes. Conflict is often about confusion, especially in professional relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I, there's lots of different scenarios that just went through my mind like firestorms. Like I'm I'm envisioning some different situations that happened when I first started my company and I'm envisioning now as I'm preparing to scale and I'm thinking about the subscription box and all of the different people that I work with and I'm looking at this in a way of where some conflict exists or some under the table conflict because that's more common than outright conflict because most people don't confront except for me and probably you I I am not afraid (laughs) I am not afraid of of conflict and um, I have learned how to maybe do it in softer ways but I've never been one to shy away from having hard conversations and clearly you are not the person that shies away from hard conversations but the majority of people do so most of the conflict we're talking about is the one that's like it's like tension you can feel it like in the room and it's it's not discussed and it's not talked about but everybody feels it and everybody gets home kind of sick in their belly. Yes. Nobody is happy yes. in any of those situations. Yes. And the challenge for people like us, so if, you, if you're good at conflict, right, we have to get good at inviting people to share things with us that they might not be excited to share, mm. right? We have to make sure that, so for example, I worked with an engineering firm, just got done last week, did their big completion ceremony. And um, when we started, people wouldn't share bad news, Because when you shared bad news, it was bad news. And then everybody freaked out because then there was all this added pressure, right? Bad news was bad news for everybody. And then everybody's got to freak out. And so whoever was the bearer of bad news often got a little beat up. It took us some time to reverse that. You know what we had to do? What? We had to start celebrating bad news. Oh, my. So if you came in. And you said, and we, and you know, we did a whole bunch of different things, but one of them was we changed how they did status updates. So if you give me a status update on a project, you can't, I, we didn't make it vague, right? Again, clarity, any confusion is going to invite conflict. That's just right. a, a magnet for problems. So we want to get clear. So even simple clarity, like red, yellow, green, what's the status of the project? Red means it's really, really bad. Yellow means it's ain't good. And yellow's like, or sorry, green is, it's pretty, looks like it's okay for now, right? It's just a way, where should our attention be drawn mm-hmm. first? Red always, yellow second, green third. So if you came in and I say, okay, what's the status of your project? And then you want to launch into some big rambling story. No, 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 no. Just tell me the color, right? I don't want the explanation. Just oh, give me the color. Oh, interesting. Right? Because hmm. telling me the big long story is a way to buffer, right? And oh prepare gosh, you for so the bad is. news. So by the way, for those of you who are out there and you're like, how come every stupid staff meeting we have has to take 12 hours? Yes. It's because you let people tell you a story about their results instead of asking them to simply report their results first and tell you the story second. If you get people to tell you the number or the actual, like some kind of objective criteria first, and then they can explain it second, 
you can shave hours off those meetings. Oh my. I know. Happy shivers just I mean, ran I, down I, a I'm thousand times. I'm thinking spines. about meetings like I literally that I had today and I'm like, oh yeah. If oh, it's we a nightmare. Have, if we have taken the story out of the conversations, we would have been so much more productive. And it's okay, right? We're all trained that way. Yeah. Like in our culture, if you give a good enough excuse and you look sad enough while you do it, it's much more difficult for people to yell mm. at you. So you want to adopt a just the facts mentality when you're doing reporting. So if you report to me, you will be trained in a meeting to do a two-minute report. Your two-minute report will include specific data. I have three basic things I want you to report on. I will teach you to report on them. And then after that, is there anything else you'd like to share? Oh, my meetings are a miracle. They're can I can I sit in? Can I like come yes. to a meeting? I, like I, I'm a serious. Spa. I I might I might need to like start. <laughs> I'm gonna be like your behind the scenes girl. I'm gonna start like taking like video and pictures. And, oh my gosh. Anyway, it's so much better. Well, you, if you think about it, most of us are still running meetings with all the sophistication and professional capacity of a tenth grade student council meeting. We're doing yeah. it exactly the same. It's true. It's no different. We're just not going to math class after. That's it. Which is insane when you think about how long we, how much time we spend in meetings. So there's just all sorts of wacky, silly things that we mm. do. So I'm trying to think of what we were talking about right before we got on the meeting <laughs> tangent. So you want to train people to report to you, right? Yeah. We we're talking about that. What? what? Uh, and I, I, I think that what we were yeah. talking about is really how to look at the way that we are holding people accountable. Yeah. So you want to teach people to report, right? Have them give you the actual. Man, I'm completely lost. <laughs> Something about the engineering firm, other things that are brilliant. Somewhere out there, somebody is literally hey, losing listen, their we're, mind. We're giving, we're giving They've been the, taking notes. They're hanging on every word. They're like, you were about to give me the solution to, to every problem I ever had. You, I hate you so much. It's okay. We'll figure it out before we get done. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I think that what we were the point of what we really wanted yeah. to talk about was how to stop reminding people, how to let people yeah. own their own deadlines and using dates and times yeah. when you're having a conversation. And I think that that's, that's, that was the part that was the most interesting to me because I, I truly can see how we all spend these long chunks of time reminding people of when stuff is due. And listen, I know this, and you're right, this counts not just with um, within internal teams, within companies, but it counts with your vendors, it counts with your partners. Yeah. And, and you know what, even with your customers, yeah. I, I have a situation where there's, um, I'll give you an example. I have yeah. a client right now that I'm working with, which is, it's an amazing client and it's going very well, but some of their end of the deliverables are not yeah. getting done, which of then constricts, you know, of course, constricts me, my ability to yes. do the next step. So I'm held up at the next step because of the deliverables I need from them. So I... I know, I know what, okay, I would like you and I to have that conversation. <laughs> That's what I would like to do. I'd like to yeah. have that conversation with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and so, you know, if I, if we're working together, right, we want a clear date and deadline, right? Mm. We want an agreement about what's actually going to happen. We want to make sure we have clarity there, right? And then the third thing that we want to do is we want to make sure that people are going to report up. And I don't just mean up. I also mean sideways and down. We want information coming, right? So how that conversation generally goes is I look at you and I say, listen, we're both grown-up human beings, right? Yeah. Like, like you're an adult, yeah? Yeah. Right? Yes. And I, and I you, you hear what I'm doing, right? I'm trapping you. Yes. Because you can't answer There's any no other, other answer, way. Yeah. Right? Like, what are you going to say? No, I don't want to be accountable. Some days, it depends on right? how I feel. But I'm also elevating you, right? Yeah. So I'm setting an expectation in my communication that's going to have you be like, well, of course I am, right? Of course. Of course. Okay, great. So you're a grown-up. I'm a grown-up. 
what if we did this differently, right? You be a professional, I'll be a professional. I'm not going to chase you down. You're not going to chase me down. Here's what I would like to do, Tav. So next week, you're going to get this to me by Wednesday at 5. That works for both of us, right? Now, the key here is, you guys, you got to genuinely make, genuinely make sure it actually does work for them. If you bully them into agreeing to a date and a time that works for you that doesn't work for them, everything else is false because it's a lie. Now we're back into pretending. Right. But as long as it genuinely works for them. Right. And if you said, yeah, yeah, that that works. And I think maybe it doesn't and you just don't know how to tell me. Mm. Then I want to go. Okay, well, it's kind of important that we have clarity on whether or not this works. It sounds like that might not work for you. Is there a possibility you think you have, do you have kind of a small concern that it might not work for you? And you know what I like about that though, is you're taking the onus off of the discomfort. So this this is an important piece that I haven't thought about until you just said it. When I saw the approach that you took, you are, you're sitting back and you are allowing the other person some grace to, to be able to deal with their own discomfort in that, because it might not have anything to do with you or what you're saying, or maybe they're not comfortable um, you know, they're not a confident person. Right. There's a thousand reasons why somebody might not want to tell you, but you're making it easy yeah. for them. Well, and I remembered where we dropped off. So for whoever's okay, been <laughs> losing their mind out there, we really apologize and we're going to circle back. But that engineering firm where people oh. weren't reporting bad news, right? Mm. Oh, yes. yes. See, we got it. We got your back. We were going to high five and that would be too know, much feedback and sound, right? You guys might get a bang. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so funny. So, so funny. So, you know, if you're a strong personality... You have to go out of your way to get the to get that bad news mm. from people. It's our job to do that, not their job to suddenly get brave. Okay, and you're saying our job as leaders. Yes, or anybody who wants real information. Yeah. You can say it's because we're leaders or we're managers or we're owners, but the truth is, I have a big personality that doesn't work for everybody and you know, we used in um, the last podcast, the episode of the scared puppy or the idea of yeah. the scared puppy, right? Listen, I'm just pragmatic. I don't care what you, I don't care what you get. I, I just want the result. So I can say maybe my employees should be, we have an open door policy. They should feel totally comfortable, but they don't. So what are you going to do about that? Right. Maybe they should, but they don't. So in this engineering firm, right, one of the things we did is we put a status on each project, red, yellow, green, and then you're going to report and all you're going to say is the color. I, I just have to picture how that's going to be. I'm going to apply that in a couple of different situations and see if the results change because that's just brilliant. It takes any emotion out of it. That's so why. Great. And it's such a relief. Now, you have to create context, right? So you have to let everybody know we just want the data and then we'll make adjustments based on what we need to do with the rest of the information, right? So we we did a whole shift. So we said, okay, guys, here's the thing. If we don't know, we can't make any changes. We can't get people help. And I know in the past, sometimes you've shared when things aren't going well, and then somebody has exploded, and that's been really unpleasant. We're going to shut all that down. That wasn't fair to you, but we have to get accurate data. So we, we were gentle, and we moved them into it, and we proved to them that we would be great when they told us bad news. So the first thing we did was we said red, yellow, green, and we trained them in that. And what we would do is we'd say, okay, what's the status on blah, 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 something, something in a coma. And they would say, well, it, and I go, no, no. What's the color? Oh, oh, Mm. uh, green. (laughs) I go, okay, it doesn't sound like, is you sure it's green? Sounds like maybe it's yellow. And we don't round up, right? We're not rounding up or down. If it's yellow, it's yellow. Bad news is okay, right? So it took us a while to reinforce that. We had to retrain people. So then we got them to say the color, and then they would tell us why they thought it was that color, just a little bit. So we had just enough of a heads up about that thing. 
And then when people gave us bad news, we high-fived them. We said thank you mm. because we had beaten it out of them to tell the truth. So we had to, I don't want to sound like a hippie, but we kind of had to love them back, love it back into them. Mm. We had to make sure they knew. We had to appreciate them for being the brave one that would tell us it was bad. So when somebody would say, red, <laughs> sweet, and I would pound on the table and do the cheerleader dance, and I finally mm. got the CEO to do the same thing, and then it caught on. And then they would look, you could see them look around and wait to get yelled at. And how much has that changed the, that organizational culture just day to day feeling oh like gosh. people can be people? It is so interesting because they started out and their reputation was really unfairly that they were sort of a, um, you know, they were just grinding through people. That was unfair. Engineering is just a hard profession. And, but, and that, by the way, when we reset their culture, we never shied away from that. I just looked at them. I go, listen. It's hard. It's always going to be hard. It's a bananas profession until it's not. It's you're flooded with work. You're staying late. It's all kind of crazy until the day you don't have enough work and then everybody's worried about getting laid off. And that's engineering. And if you didn't know that's what engineering is, that's what it is. Make your choice. You know, this is why I love you. You are a truth teller. (laughs) You are like a straight shooting truth teller. This is, this is, but this is hard stuff. You're doing things right. differently, Alicia. I have to, I'm going to give you props whenever Thanks. I feel like it. She's like, over here, stop, stop, stop that. No, I'm going to no, tell I, you. You notice I didn't say stop. No, I know, but I can see by your face. You're like I was talking, but no, I, I want you to recognize that yeah. the way that you're telling that truth, oh, that is powerful. But it's so different, right? Because that is the truth. So you can, you know, I've had lots of organizations. I had one a couple years ago and they, um, you know, they like to talk about balance. And I finally just looked at them. I go, you guys don't care about balance. You don't care one bit about balance. I said, you recruit high performers. You recruit overachievers. You recruit people who've never gotten less than an A. You recruit the people who had GPAs that were higher than it was possible to get a GPA that high. Mm. That's who they are. Now, what you do believe in is if you want to leave at three to go to your kid's soccer game, you go. We believe in that. We support you 100%. And you're probably going to be answering emails at 10 o'clock at night. And if that's who you are, you should work here because we actually do a better job than everybody else in the, mm. in the state. And you'll love it here oh, because I you'll be working it. with people like that. I go, stop talking about balance. You don't care. Your people don't even understand balance as a concept. Interesting. So you ta- instead of pretending to be what they thought they should be, they should be who they are. They should be proud of it. They should stop lying about it. And they should go find people who want that. So with the engineers, that's what we said. We said, it's this, and it's okay if it's bad. And then we praised them, and we appreciated them for that, right? So we trained them to report real data, and we flipped it over time. So you want to train people to report to you. So we had what we called report up. So, And I, this is my favorite new concept of the past year. This is This is so ninja. It's like... Oh, it's like a steak dinner. It's so good. So report up is this. So you're going to report. I say, you say, we're going to get it done by Friday or by Wednesday at five, right? Now, what I'd love to have an agreement with you about is that you're going to report up to me if there's a breakdown, if something goes wrong, right? You get sick, you get flooded with other work, your kid gets sick, you know, the building burns down, anything like that. You're going to call me and let me know. So I know that we're going to be late. If you, um... If you hand it off to somebody else, let's say you can't get it done, so you give it to Kyle, and Kyle's going to get it done by Wednesday at 5, great, no problem. I trust your judgment. Make sure I know that Kyle is now on the ball, and Kyle's going to report if he has any breakdowns. And then the third thing is report 
when you hit a milestone, if it's a longer project, or when it's complete. So let's say you get it done by Tuesday at 2, let me know. Now, if you and I have an agreement like that, and I can really trust you to report up to me in all three of those scenarios, is there any reason for me to chase you down? No, of course not. But okay. Okay. Wait a <laughs> she, second. She, I blew her mind. Wait. She's freaking out. She's like, okay, this, there's I'm like, no okay. way this could work. Right. Okay. Because first of all, what I what I want to say is that I I feel like the biggest issue will be that it actually happens. And if it doesn't happen, then what? Sure. Well, you're going to have to train people, right? So the engineering firm, we did this and it takes a while to train people because it's right. a new habit that you have to build, right. right? Right. But here's the thing. I can either work with you inside the old pretending chase nag remind authority complex and we can both be miserable for the next period of time that we work together, or we could give this a shot and be less miserable and more effective. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, uh, yeah, it takes time. I wasn't <laughs> considering the time factor. That totally makes sense. But what about the situation where companies that are smaller or just growing? Because I know this, that's, this is definitely mm-hmm. an area yeah. that you work in is businesses that grow really fast. Yes. Um, and how to have the systems and structure in place to be able to handle that growth without yes. becoming corporate, right? I mean, that's a part of what you do. But what happens when everybody internally really knows each other, like your friends? Oh, my God. Way more important to do this kind of stuff. So, by the way, the reason that I picked that group they're the hardest ones. So we were joking in the last podcast that, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to work with individuals, but there's only about 12 basic ways that human beings can suck. Like we all think we're super special, but the truth is there's about 12. Well, I'm special. I'd like to say special. you are very special. (laughs) You're practically a unicorn, sister. But, you know, there's like 12 basic ways that human beings can suck. Once you figure out how somebody sucks, you're like, okay, there's like this, this is your solution set. You're either going to do that or you're not going to do that. And then we move on. So I like more complex problems and fast growing companies are the hardest thing to reset because it is literally like laying down a set of train tracks or it's like driving a train down the tracks at hundred miles an hour while you lay down the tracks. They have zero extra bandwidth. So anything, if you have a group of friends, it is so much more important to have clarity. It is so much more important to have good process because that's what will take down your entire set of friendships because you'll use shortcuts. Well, I know what she meant when she said next week. No, you don't. Mm. No, you don't. And now I have to pretend harder because it's not just that I'm trying to be polite in the workplace. I'm, I'm trying to bail out 30 years of friendship mm. or 20 or five or whatever. So I have all these additional dynamics because our husbands are best friends. Ah, nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be all the more conscientious. You have to be all the more thoughtful. It's like my, my thing that I always say to people, and it takes them a while to figure out why I mean this. If you don't have any time to run a meeting like you don't have any time to have a meeting, it is absolutely critical that you sit down and have a meeting. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that makes teams work or not work at an executive level especially is three things. And if (laughs) you could go be a consultant now, here you go, here's the cheat sheet. Um, If they're working or not working, here's what you look for. It's clarity, alignment, and visibility. Mm. Are they clear about what we're up to? Are they aligned? Doesn't mean they agree. It's like saying we're, you know, we're either going to, you know, fly from California to Hawaii or we're going to take a boat. Right. We don't all have to agree. We just all have to end up on the same plane. Right. Or boat. Right. And then visibility. I don't have to trust you. I have to be able to see into your world. Hmm. So if something's not working, you want to look for which one of those three things is missing. 
or which combination is missing. Right. Right. And so if you're moving really fast, you don't have any time to meet, then you actually have to meet because you have to get into alignment. I think this is really important. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about what alignment means because in different situations, you know, from a small business to a, well, let's say a startup to a small business to even being an employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What happens if you're not in alignment? I mean, this, this is a, a common thing that happens amongst partners. Yes. It, ha- it happens amongst, it happens, especially yes. when you're hiring people to come in to complete a job and they have a certain expertise yes. in a field. Without that alignment, is it possible to bring it into alignment or is it just not a good fit? It's a choice. And the mm. mistake that people make is they don't force the choice. So they sense person A and, per- you know, Joe and Sally are not aligned. Joe wants to do it this way. Sally wants to do it this way. We leave the meeting. We never actually chose, right? We said we're going to do it this way. Happens but, all the time. But we all know that Joe doesn't actually want to do it that way. And Joe's going to undermine it. He's going to dig in his heels and kicking and screaming. At or he's every... going to be totally hands off. He's going to say, that's it. You wanted it this way. You go do it. That's right. But he, that's still undermining it, right? Yeah. He's going to have conversations about it. He's going to undermine it, right? So agreement is, I agree with you. I think exactly what you think. Alignment is something different. It means I can agree or not agree, but Sally, I'm going to get on board, which means I'm going to be, I'm going to align. I'm going to choose to throw the full weight of my energy, my efforts, my enthusiasm fully behind this that we have chosen. May not be what I wanted. I may disagree that this is our best option, but I am going to throw the full weight of my enthusiasm, my energy, my intentions, my, my knowledge, everything I got behind this. And part of that is, we, you know, it's so funny to me. You go, you can get an MBA and they have you do group projects, but they're stupid, right? Because they're all, it's like, we all have to win or else we all lose. So mm. I'm going to cover for you. They're not a real dynamic. What mm-hmm. they should do is they should say, okay, you're going to be the president this time. And you're going to run the project. So these people all work for you and you get to give them their grades. Mm. And then you should rotate who that person, like it should mimic real world right. dynamics, yeah, for sure. right? It should be a whole different ball game. Right. And you should have to ch- make those same set of choices. Well, because instead what happens is the majority, the small minority in any of those groups does the majority of the work. And honestly, that's what carries <laughs> over to the workplace. I, it's funny if you listen to a few of my early mm-hmm. podcasts, I talk about, you know, the, the truth is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Yeah. In, in all teams, it's it's the way it happens. And it's not right. Not my teams. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you guys all need, everybody needs an Alicia. <laughs> we all need an Alicia. For now, I'm going to follow her around into her meetings. That's number one. <laughs> and number two, I'm going to bring her everywhere I go so people get, you know, get ready to see more of her. And then people need to learn from you. <laughs> but Because it's, 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 it's like a statistics. Everybody's just become comfortable accepting it. Well, but I mean, it's, listen, being a human is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's laundry and traffic. And sometimes you have tiny humans at your house that throw up all night long. Like there's a million things that can go on. And then you put us all in rooms and ask us to adult. And nobody ever taught me, you know, they don't, we don't teach you how to confront. There's no good plan for running meetings. There's just people typing up agendas the exact same way they did back in social studies class. I mean, it's ridiculous. And so, I mean, it's really important that we find better ways to teach people how to work together effectively. And one of them I would say is 
clarity, visibility, alignment, because after working with dozens and dozens of teams that are in fast growing companies, trying to keep things on the rails, trying to recover after they've already gone off the rails, it's a shortcut, right? It's a little tiny test that you can do to say, where are we off base? It's like, you know, your, your check engine light comes on. If you're, I'm from the right. middle of nowhere, right. you stop in, at a middle of nowhere auto zone. <laughs> they run it. They're like, no, 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 you're fine. You can drive the next 300 miles where there's literally nothing and no right. one. Right. You're going to be okay. We need those kinds of things, right? So when things get off base, you can check, are we aligned? Are we pretending that we aren't? Are we pretending we're aligned and we're not? You can force the fight between Joe and Sally because you can take a look at them and say, Joe, I can tell that this does not sit well with you. I get that you have serious objections and the people that you work with on your leadership team have made a choice to get behind this plan. And if it's, if I'm the leader, I look at Joe and I go, I'm asking you to get on board. I am asking you to align. Are you willing to align? And if he's not, then we either got to sit down and hash it out again as a group. Joe's got to leave, right? We have to, we have to force that Mm. choice. The easy thing to do is to avoid all that mess and just walk out of the room pretending like we're aligned. The hard thing to do is sit down and have that conversation and make sure we're aligned. So it boils down to basically everything we've still been talking about is you really, you really, stuff. you really have to just stop worrying about being comfortable and don't be so lazy in how you communicate. Be an adult, well, take accountability and be responsible. And I, I understand it's easier said than done. I've taken she's a, kind of a hard charger, you guys. I, know, I get it. Some I, of your stomachs please. are like, I can't, I can't, I can't. But said another yeah. way, I would say it like this for people who are maybe not as, um, you know, hard charging, right? You were going to say something like bulldog. You were going to well, say like, you know, bull I was, in a China I was just shop. choosing say, my words. I like bull's a good word. I like that <laughs> word, right? But we, there are different personality yeah. types, right? And the truth is you're reticent in the places where you're reticent, right? You don't always hard charge in. Mm-mm. There are places where you get nervous. So the game is, can we find ways that make it easier to be brave? Can we find ways to make it easier to have a straighter conversation? Can we find ways to be more honest more of the time with more of the people about more of the stuff? Can we recruit people to our teams? You know, the engineering firm that I just worked with, they had a really great guy there named Travis. And Travis was really great because... Hello, Travis, if you're listening. He's amazing. (laughs) Um, he, He would just like out of nowhere be like, no, guys, I don't I don't agree. And it was never an attack. And then he would like back it up with reasoning. And he had this beautiful knack for knowing just when to say the thing that he disagreed with. And it was very elegant and simple the way that he would do it. Do you leave room for people like that on your team? Sometimes our mistake is, you know, we kick people like you off the team. Because mm-hmm. you're a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. It was all so pleasant until you got here with all your feistiness. It's and annoying. Questions and, yeah. Or we don't ask the person who's quiet. And we let, you know, Joe the Bulldog talk over them 500 times. And, you know, we could swerve into gender territory, blah, blah, blah. But really, it's not a gender thing. It's a some people are loud talker. And I'm one of them. I've had to train myself. And the advice I give people like me is it's not telling us to not talk. We're going to talk. We can't help it. It's I say to them, talk second. Just let someone else go first. And if you're someone who never talks. Talk. talk first say yeah. something say yeah. anything right and if you're the leader ask that person what they think one of the best secrets i've ever found in facilitating is pay attention to that quiet person 
they know more than everybody else in the room. You know why? Because they're always paying attention while everybody else is planning what they're going to say. And if you ask them what they think, they almost always have something brilliant to input because they've been paying attention and they, mm. they'll share great stuff if you ask them. Oh, this is, this is, I, I mean, this is so good, Alicia. I'm trying it's to just. It's so easy to be with you. I can just sit over here and I you're know. like, well, that's great. That's I know, great. That's, that's great. great. Well, I, I'm trying to think of how, how to, how to ask a question that I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, which is, it is easier to see from the outside that these things exist, that the, where the issues exist, where you could be more honest, um, where, you know, where you can. If you're a leader, what type of leadership style do you have? How can you be a better leader? Or if you're an employee, you might feel like you're powerless to make any of these changes. And then I'm going to put it in the context of of my, myself or people that are entrepreneurs. How do you be prepared for that step? You want to set it up that way from the beginning. So let's go back to the first question. If you're a leader or a manager or you organize and work with teams, mm-hmm. how first do you evaluate what type of style, management style you have? Mm. Um, I don't know that I'm I'm particularly concerned with the style that you have. I mean, I think in general, um, okay, I know what question you're asking. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, and people oscillate, you know, they go from place to place. They can adapt as they're in different places in their career, but there are three styles that I tend to identify when I work with people. And this isn't necessarily the style that you're born with. It tends to be more of what you adapt to in the environment that you're in. The big one that people do when they're doing it wrong is the one we all like, that we all know and we all hate and we make fun of in Dilbert cartoons, and it's called micromanaging, right? Mm-hmm. And it's where I jump in and I pay attention to every single little step and I tell you how to do every little single little step, right? If we're baking a cake, I'm showing you how to measure flour, which seems a little silly. Seems a little silly. Because, you know. Or how to crack an egg. Yeah, it's flour, egg. It's all calmed down. Right. And so it does feel very like, what? You're going to watch me do that too. And it really disengages people because they have no incentive to own anything. They're not going to act like owners because you're on them about everything. Mm. But at the other end of the spectrum is one that is really just as destructive, but we don't really distinguish in our culture. And my nickname for it is called good luck management which is you start working with me and so I give you all your stuff and here's all your assignments and then I basically say, good luck, Mm -hmm. call me if you need anything Mm -hmm. because I don't want to micromanage you, right? Probably intentionally trying to not micromanage. Exactly. A lot of times it's a reaction, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is that's not good management either. And Mm -hmm. then what tends to happen is I didn't give you good enough instructions, I didn't provide my expertise about anything or I didn't tell you what I the details of what I wanted that I really did know. So then you just went out and did it, whatever you did. And odds are you're going to come back to me with something that's different than what I imagined Mm. on a different timeline because we didn't clarify that either. Oh yeah. And then I'm going to take it back and be upset. And now we're either going to have one of those awkward smiling conversations or I'm going to micromanage the outcome or I'm going to redo it for you, which is kind of insane because now we've paid for the same work twice and that doesn't work either. And you don't feel supported anyway. In my years of management, mm-hmm. I have done all of those things at of one time. You have. All of them. I've learned. I mean, I, I've, of course I've you done have. them all. And how were you going to avoid it? Because yeah. we're, listen, if you want to drive a car, somebody gets in a car and shows you how mm-hmm. to drive a car. If you want to manage people, you know what you need to do? Be good at whatever job you do before you get to manage people who do that job. Mm-hmm. But management's a completely different thing. And we never teach people how to do it. 
So what I call good management, I refer to as active management. And active management means you know what that person is doing and so do they. <laughs> you each yeah, are right. aware of the goal. Oh, how right. interesting. And then you know how they're planning to get that job done, right? I should have a reasonable idea about what your game plan is. And if I have something specific I want you to do, I'm going to give you that input. And then I have check-in points with you. I have enough data coming into me about how you're doing that job that I have a chance at knowing when you're off track early enough to make sure you're able to successfully complete it. And the analogy that I use, and this is um, a favorite technique of mine, sometimes when I do this speech, I, I bring a goldfish. <laughs> and about this time, I bring a goldfish out. And I, I have this conversation. I go, okay, what are some reasons that people give you for things not getting done? And they say, oh, I forgot. You know, I gave it to Joe. I had too much to do. My I, plate was full. I had too much other stuff to do, right? I, I thought I did it. Mm. I thought Mary did it. And I say, okay. Pretend that this this is my, you know, my best friend's daughter is my, quote, niece. They pre- pretend that this is Emerson's favorite goldfish in the entire world, and I've asked you to watch him for the afternoon. Now, I come back, and the goldfish is gone. Now give me all those same excuses. Mm. I just forgot. I gave it to Joe. Doesn't Joe have the goldfish? Oh, a bunch of other stuff came up. I'll do it next week. Like all of that starts to sound really weird, right? Because it ch- we've changed now your relationship to the task itself. Now, my job as your manager, your job is to keep the goldfish alive. My job as your manager is to know that you're going to keep the goldfish alive. Make and, sure that you're going to keep the goldfish alive. And how do you know that? Well, it's all those things, right? So imagine if you've got a five-year-old and you give him a goldfish, That's different than giving a goldfish to a 15-year-old, right? Right. And different than a 25-year-old. Different skill levels. So if I give a goldfish to a 5-year-old, what are some questions I might want to ask? I might want to talk to them about how to keep a goldfish alive. I might want to train them in Goldfish 101. Like, don't drink the water. Right? That'd be a bad... Oh, God. (laughs) Don't let the dog drink the water, right? I might want to train them in, you know, what what time of day do you think we need to feed the Uh, fish? And how are we going to remember that we did? And I might want to check in on you every day about feeding that goldfish for a while until that's a good, strong habit. And even after that, I might want to check in every couple days because it's a big deal, that feeding, and I'm probably going to clean the tank with you. Same thing with employees, right? The lower the amount of skill that employee has, the less of a track record they have, the more frequently you're going to want to check in and the more training you're going to want to provide. And that's, I mean, that's knowing your people, first of all. That's really understanding who you're working with. And then, and you, it's not the same over time, right? So initially when you get the goldfish, I'm probably going to be closer. There's going to be more. But then as I see your competence is there and the goldfish is fine, I'm going to back up. And if we're doing a good job of training you to report up, I'm going to make sure that you know, hey, if the goldfish starts looking a little funky, you come get me. Now the kicker is in business, some of those projects are goldfish, some are puppies, and some are babies. Mm. So we have to know what level of importance and urgency we're giving to people and then act accordingly. Your job is to keep the goldfish alive. My job is to keep all the goldfish under my people alive. So active management means you know where the goldfish are, you know what the plan is for keeping them alive, and you know the goldfish are alive. Mm. And you have something in place to make sure you can keep them alive. So all those questions, like when you hand something off, it's so cute. I ask managers, I'm like, how's that project going? Is that going to get done? And they go, 
Yeah, I mean, I think oh, so. Your face, your face right? right I know. There. You, and you've all seen that face, right? Yeah, not. We need to do it. We need to do an episode on nonverbal communication. <laughs> That's gonna be our next one, right? But like, you ask that question, and then they make that face, and then we all pretend like it's gonna get done. Except I don't pretend, and I don't let my management teams. For, no, we don't. We don't skip over that. We don't pretend that that's like what just happened is okay. That's somebody trying to tell you, listen, this goldfish it ain't going well, man. I need some help. So, Alicia, tell me, tell our listeners how do how do people start this process to be more open in their communication to create safer spaces for people to really bring challenges and issues forward to own their work to really feel like they can reasonably express their feedback on deadlines and how to follow up because listen this this is pertinent as i said to everybody in any area of business it's when you're interacting with other humans sure and jointly working on a goal yeah i mean this this is it's the same dynamic it might be different if one time if one person is getting paid by another right but really the interaction between adults and accomplishing a goal together it's this is the same right so if if it's not working well for people or they know they need to set up that type of system from the beginning what do you suggest people do? Yeah. I would keep it really simple, right? Look at and and make sure that the system is set up so that everybody wins for the right reasons, mm. right? Like, hey, if the goldfish is alive, we're all going to win, right? So at my engineering firm, when when people reported the, the the truth, we made sure they won. In the past, they were punished for reporting the truth, so they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We made sure they won when they reported the truth, mm-hmm. right? Now. If you want people to tell you the truth, you got to make sure that's a win for them. Right. You can't zing them on the back end. I would also keep it really, really simple and look at just being really practical. I mean, I get it's funny to me because I get called in a lot of times to have conversations that other people view as really big and complex. And I'm just really practical about it. Like, hey, guys, it's engineering. You get that you're going to have to work crazy hours, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just what engineering is, right? And then it just disappears because I'm not. Because to me, it's just engineering, right? So you some things just are the way they are. Stop running from it. Stop dancing around it. Stop pretending it is some other way. But that's so hard when you're in it. When you're in the mix of it and you're it, in the throes of it. That, it that's when be. I said you need uh, right. you need an Alicia <laughs> other than but, needing Alicia. But you can take a look and go, what are, what are, I mean, every time I do a project, some of the big things we do are we look at, you know, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly? And then we from there, we go, what what are some things we can address right now? Every sometimes I joke that there are parts of my job that you could literally get a chimpanzee to come show up at your office in a cute little suit like they used to put in the movies. And if you would just answer the questions, you'd get halfway there because some of you, you know what the problem is. You know, the employee that needs to go. You're just scared to make the decision because you're thinking about the pain of that conversation, not the relief that everybody would feel having somebody great in that role. Right. So. It's not that I have, I mean, I'm, I am masterful at some of the things I'm masterful at, but a lot of the stuff, you know what needs to change. Some of it you may need some technical expertise with, but what are some of the changes that you know are right there in front of you? And most of them are pretty small. It's really, it's useful to start small, but can you look at your employees and have an agreement about dates and deadlines? Can you start with getting them to report up? Can you change and have your meeting start with, everybody's going to do a two-minute report. Here's the three things they need to include in it. And let's just change a little tiny bit at a time. And, you know, maybe it's you getting some help on how do you confront people so that you feel more confident and willing to do it. But anytime you get intentional, what is it we really want? And you get people really focused on that. 
man, you can make mountains start yeah, to move. So don't underestimate sure. the value of you starting where you are. And I love that because you're talking about an individual focusing on their change as well as bringing in small little bite size bits that you can use to start seeing a shift. And I, I know for a fact that when people start to make a small change like that, or some tiny little change happens in your meeting structure, yes. or some discussion and adding a date and a time in for deliverables, it changes the entire dynamic. A couple of yeah. days ago, I put on LinkedIn, I said, listen, small things are not small things. You have people be on time to meetings, not because them being on time to meetings matters, but because it's a small thing that sends a signal to the environment. When the environment changes, then results change or behavior changes and behavior changes results and results are everything, which means small things are not small things. Bruce Barton, there's a great quote by him that says, sometimes when I consider the tremendous consequence of little things, I am tempted to believe there are no little things. That doesn't mean you have to manage everything. But look around. Are there a couple of little things that you could start with so you start to build momentum? Because momentum can change everything. Alicia, my friend, you are so amazing. <laughs> I, Thank I'm, I'm you. Constantly, I'm, I'm constantly learning from you because, I, well, first of all, I, I reflect a lot of my own learning yeah. experience when we talk. Um, and I also reflect in people around me and I reflect in the growth of my own company and where things You've are going to go. You've been at it and I've in it for a long it. time. Yeah, you're not some yeah. rookie, right? So you right. have a lot. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of the <laughs> to a, draw. On. A lot of the times when I'm like, you know, palming my forehead, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can give you specific examples where I did that. But what I love the most about what you share is that it's 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 just partly the truth telling. Yeah, it's partly the accountability because you're also doing it with a soft heart, um, with an end goal of success. I mean, yeah. trying to get. From A to B, but you are tackling big, hard things that a lot of people don't. So I really do. I know I said it in the first show, oh. but I appreciate what you bring to the table for so many um, companies and for people that really want to make change in a healthy way. And so I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I've learned a ton from the leaders that I've worked with. And um, you know more than you think you do. So be mm. brave. You can start small. Trust yourself. But you know, just telling them for real why you think it's important to change, man, that can get you a really long way. So yeah. go for it. Awesome. And for those of you listening, I know you just loved this again, the second show. <laughs> this is so much fun. And I want you to go to maverickandcompany.com and look for more great stuff. And Alicia has, you know, blog posts in there and information that you can follow. And you can also follow her on LinkedIn. It's A-L-E-C-I-A-H-U-C-K, Alicia Huck. Um, and I'll put all that in the show notes for you. But reach out to her or me and find out you know, a way that you can get more involved. And Maverick and Company does help businesses during mm -hmm. any of these transition times. Or if you're a company that's preparing to scale, I think you need Alicia to have come in early. I think you should be talking mm -hmm. to Alicia from the beginning. In fact, I think Alicia should be talking to everybody. So we're definitely <laughs> going to do this again. I have a feeling my schedule could get really full. I have a feeling so. I think so. Um, and thank you guys for listening. And Alicia, I have one more question for you sure. that I ask all of my guests. And okay. I saved the, the oh, whole Oh, this is the question. surprise one. Oh, this God. is the surprise question. So- you know, my show is called Grit and Grace, yeah, right, which is the, to me, it's the combination of being able to still work hard and have drive and be, you know, really forward thinking and also be kind and generous and mm -hmm. thoughtful and grateful, which I know that you are. But I would like to know what percentage of grit oh. and grace that you are. And I ask all of my guests this question. So it's your turn. Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, oh, that's so hard. Wow, that's really good. I'll tell you myself, I typically sit around 80% grit, 20% grace. Yeah. 
I strive. I used to say I strive for 50-50, but that's not my personality. That yeah. would be outside of, of who I am. So I now strive for, let's say, 65 to 70% grit and 30% grace. Um, yeah. That's funny. I would say I'm probably about at 60-40. There's, um, there's a word in the Hebrew language called netzach, mm. and it means victory and enduring. And it's this idea that your challenges... Um, like there's something about enduring challenges that is inherently a victory, makes you a better person, makes the world like it's if you ever look it up, there's a whole bunch of beautiful stuff. And that mm. kind of so in a way, um, grit and grace really go together for me. Like they're you know, it's kind of like how the the little piece of sand becomes a pearl. Mm. Like they're a little bit inseparable. Like I think um, I sometimes joke that I'm about half bulldog, half cheerleader. Yeah. Like it all goes <laughs> That's together. Like grit and grace, just like that. Yeah, right. Like. <laughs> It's about half and half. Yeah. It's kind of how it feels like. There's a I'm lot of steal love. That. Can I say that now? Can I absolutely. say that I'm half bulldog, half cheerleader? Absolutely. Oh, There's just... a lot of love, but this love don't mess around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or that old saying where they go, "I'm a lover, but I'm also a, a fighter. fighter." So don't, don't, don't play. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, people, this is this is this is what this is all about, oh. and this is part of the reason why this show matters so much to me is because I feel like. We have the opportunity to bring the knowledge that you share forward. And honestly, you are you are a kick-ass woman doing kick-ass things. And thank you. thank you for everything. And can I just say one last thing? Of course. It's not, I mean, as much fun as this is and as, lo- as much as I'd love my ego to be the center of the whole thing, the truth is it's not what, what I said today or what she said today that matters. It's what you heard and what you do with what mm. what came up for you, right? So maybe it wasn't even something that one of us said. It was something that you thought about and then what you do in your own life. Like it's all about what shows up for you after this in your real world. So if you had some brilliant thought, get it down on paper, get it into your life. People, you know more than you think you do. You actually get to be your own Luke Skywalker. That's the most fun part for me about business. I feel like I'm Yoda watching Luke Skywalker become a Jedi over and over and over because they always have these insane gifts that they didn't realize that they have. They have these extraordinary drives. They have this amazing story and they just need a little nudge to help them find their path. So you're Luke Skywalker. It's not somebody else. It's not her. It's not me. It's you. So you're Luke Skywalker. It's time to go be a Jedi. So trust what you know and May the force be with you, I guess. We've gone full nerd now. I mean, honestly, the, I have one. I only have one final single thing to say and that's word (laughs) (laughs) all right my friends go be fierce ladies and gentlemen do not forget to visit our new subscription box site grit grace and glory at gx3box.com there you can find out how you can sign up to receive monthly inspiration education and some special stuff to help celebrate you and the best part is every box will have a contribution to a nonprofit or a social enterprise because we all know we like to be our best and give back to the community at the same time so don't miss out gx3box.com